You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 268, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Sam Saffron is the co-founder of Discourse. In a past life, he was a developer at Stack Overflow. He lives in Sydney, Australia. He loves writing software, especially performance improvements in Ruby. Welcome to the show, Sam. Yeah, hi, Brittany. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, especially from how far you are. (laughs) Yeah, we're having a bit of uh, an adventure with the audio, but hopefully it it all sounds good in the final recording. (laughs) That's the hope, and I'm sure you're worth it, Sam. So, Sam, can you please tell us your developer origin story, including the story behind Discourse? Okay, so it's uh, quite a long story. I've been doing computers for uh, ever since I was a kid. Started like in the early 80s and played around with little programming things when I was young. Um, Went to university, uh, studied computer science, and I've just been doing that ever since. The interesting part, I guess, is that like, before I started at Stack Overflow, I was kind of interested in communities and building kind of software to make communities better. And then Stack Overflow came along and I found myself, I was working from home um, a lot and uh, a little bit bored at times. So I just answered a ton of questions in Stack Overflow. And the next thing I know, I approached Jeff, asking, you know, can I get a job there? And then I'm employee number eight or so at Stack Overflow, and I was there for a year and a half with Jeff working. Um, we did a lot of very interesting stuff there. It was a very exciting time because we were scaling Stack Overflow from you know small amounts of traffic at the beginning to enormous amounts of traffic. Uh, and there were a lot of very, very interesting challenges um, during that time. Uh, and uh, then... Uh, I guess, kind of decided to move on. Jeff uh, moved on to start uh, another passion of his, which was uh, to uh, display, to to modernize a lot of the uh, communities out there. There's a lot of community, there was a lot of community software back six years ago, but all of it was kind of ancient stuff that hasn't changed in 10 years. And we wanted to, uh, he wanted to bring a, a modern spin on things. Um, so uh, then Discourse was his idea, and he um, approached Robin, who was the other co-founder, and they got started on a prototype, and uh, soon thereafter, uh, I talked to him, asked him what he was doing, he talked to me, and we, we figured out that I'd, I'd be a good match as well for the project. So um, the three of us then founded uh, Discourse approximately six and a half years ago, and um, it's been a very exciting ride ever since. Um, I think that kind of covers where I came from. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, Sam, what about Ruby and Rails continues to keep your career invested in it? Okay. The thing I love about Ruby on Rails is um, the community and the progress. It's not a stagnant project. A lot of open source projects kind of uh, just sit there and don't get updates for many, many months or years. But Ruby on Rails like is a very, very active community of core maintainers. 
and all stuff is always um, improving and changing. Uh, and I love I love that aspect of Ruby on Rails. I like that um, a lot of the kind of general things that you'd have to worry about uh, if you're rolling your own kind of framework, you don't have to worry about with Rails. And uh, you know, if a security issue pops up, then that gets patched immediately, and and so on. Uh, and really, I've got a lot of friends as well in the kind of Ruby community uh, and the Ruby on Rails community. I hang out with them in chat and kind of give like the discourse story on the various new features that are coming up. And um, yeah, I'm, I very much enjoy it. Enjoy the people, enjoy the software. I completely agree with you. So I have an arsenal of gems that I love to include into projects, as I'm sure all of our listeners do. And Rack Mini Profiler is my favorite gem for pro profiling and diagnosing slowdowns in my Rails applications, especially the ones that tend to be under heavy load. So can you give the listeners an idea of how it works and how they can get started using it? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Rack, Rack Mini Profiler started as Mini Profiler back at Stack Overflow, Jared Dixon, who um, is still working at Stack Overflow. Um, built this project up and the idea was that um, we, we didn't know how fast or slow Stack Overflow was running and we wanted to have like this constant little reminder at, at the corner of every page to say look it took the server this long to kind of render this page and by having that reminder constantly that it's telling us you know it took half a second to render this page and um, then, then, like, if stuff gets slow, we'd notice immediately because, you know, every we, we were living on the site and doing absolutely everything on the site. So uh, if, if uh, anything kind of slowed down, we would have, like, a visual reminder that it's slow. And the real nice thing about Mini Profiler was that you can click on the time and then get a breakdown of why it is slow, what slow SQL queries you have that are running there, um, and there are a whole bunch of other goodies that have been added um, over the years. Uh, then, when we moved to when we moved on to Discourse, this was like a project that we knew we needed from day one. We could not um, we we would not like build Discourse without having uh, this quality of life thing that we had back at Stack Overflow. So we uh, ported a lot of the concepts over to Discourse and have improved it a lot um, over the years. So. In the uh, Rack Mini Profiler world, it's got a few other additional interesting features that are, are worth mentioning. So besides uh, being able to click on um, the time and, and see a breakdown of all of the SQL statements that ran with the backtraces of where they came from, uh, there, there are uh, some other um, goodies that you can get, like um, if you do question mark PP will help. You can see it in the documentation there. It'll talk about it. You can get things like a flame graph of a page. So you can see um, what, what flame graphs are. They just take every kind of backtrace, uh, take a backtrace every uh, half, half a millisecond. And uh, then they, they lay them all next to each other. So you can see which methods are consuming the most amount of time on your page and actually get a breakdown of what's going on in code as well as um, SQL. Uh, and uh, it has some integration as well with memory profiler so you can see you know, where memory is being allocated. Uh, and uh, I guess 
at the top level, it's just kind of, if you're looking at a targeted look at what is going on now on your page, uh, then uh, Mini Profiler is, the, is a great, great place to, to look at. It's free, open source, accepting contributions. We've had a lot of contributions over the years. Um, and the, I guess, one big spin on it that is very interesting is this is, was designed from day one to be a production profiler. So your, so the intention here is that, yes, you can use it in dev, but from day one, we thought about making this something that you would use in production. So you'd set it up so all of your admins see mini profiler and nobody else does. And there's a lot of kind of uh, ability to set up who is allowed to see this and, uh, and so on. That is awesome. I really love the gem and I agree with you that when I am locating a slow file to load, typically it's not the culprit that I think it is. And by digging into Rack Mini Profiler, I will find the SQL query. And you know, once you patch that up and get that correct, it just it's so amazing to see how much faster your app can run. So I definitely say Rack Mini Profiler is a must. Speaking of benchmarking, I routinely hear many developers say that they use this course as a benchmark for both Ruby and Rails benchmarking and upgrades. Why do you think that is? Um, well, part of it is that like we are one of the biggest kind of open source uh, Ruby and Rails projects out there. Uh, so Discourse is quite enormous these days and uh, installed on ten, tens of thousands of, of places now. We host 2,000 over uh, about 2,000 sites or so of this uh, discourse unique sites. Um, so this is like an enormous uh, Ruby on Rails project that has been going on for quite a while. Uh, and uh, from the early days of discourse, we were very adamant on always kind of upgrading to the latest version of Rails. We didn't want to have a situation where we were stuck with like an ancient version of Rails. So every time before even like the, 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 the Rails 3 to Rails 4 upgrade, which, which, which was particularly kind of hard for us to do, uh, we insisted on doing very early on. Um, so some of the things we talked a bit about how we uh, did dual booting, uh, which was kind of uh, a lot of other companies have adopted this. I don't know if we were the first or the second or, or, or what, but we did adopt like the concept of dual booting in some of the complicated upgrades early on, like the three to four upgrades, uh, which meant that like a gem file, if you ran it with a special environment variable, it would uh, boot to Rails 4 and, and uh, then we were able to kind of keep both versions running at the same time, uh, which allowed us to do some of the more complex upgrades. Uh, and then, so, so on the, so, so that's why the upgrades, I guess, on the upgrade side, it's because we've been constantly upgrading uh, and we're a big project. It makes it um, interesting as kind of one of the benchmarks for that. And on the benchmarking side, um, I helped kick off a project called RubyBench. So that's rubybench.org. Uh, and the idea there is to like have long running benchmarks on various versions of Ruby, various versions of Rails to see, you know, is, is Rails getting faster? Is Ruby getting faster? and so on. And one of those pieces is like um, a discourse benchmark that will um, run an instance of discourse and uh, request uh, all sorts of 
pages against like a test database and, and see how fast, you know, getting a topic page is, a list of topic pages is, and so on. Uh, and that has become kind of uh, a standard that um, the Ruby core team will use as well to see, you know, did our kind of improvements to this particular way we do memory improve discourse as well and, and so on. So it's very, very good for the community to have like a real kind of integration benchmark as opposed to like micro benchmark that just looks at one very little pattern because um, micro benchmarks can be very misleading. Uh, if you make something a uh, hundred times faster and it's only called like one time a day, it doesn't make any difference at all. So having like a test that is indicative of real world performance is very, very important for anybody who is in the world of optimizing and uh, optimizing frameworks and optimizing Ruby core. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, it's, it's wonderful having discourse as a resource in order to truly understand a, a Ruby upgrade or to understand a Ruby on Rails upgrade, just to be able to benchmark that and see the real differences and changes just because the app is so complicated. Um, so the reason I brought you onto the show today is to discuss your blog post, why I stuck with Windows for six years while developing discourse. What drove you to write this blog post? Well, what drove me to write? It was complicated. Uh, one of the things that started in the team is I was, I was evangelizing, you know, that my setup is the best setup, as one does. You know, you, become, you get very comfortable with what you're doing, and then you start hoping that other people will do it. So I was like, yeah, I've got this awesome setup. I'm using Windows 10. I've got VMs. It all works really well for me. You guys should try it out. It's really nice. And um, then one of the team members like, you know, something is weird here because, you know, I was on, I was using your setup and it's a lot slower than my setup. So what, what, what is going on here? So I dug into it and found out very, found out that like, yeah, um, uh, what I was using was, I was paying a big uh, performance hit. So I said, okay, um, we've all heard about, you know, this is the year of Linux on the desktop and that's a repeating joke every year. So, so I thought, I, I'll see where we are, where, where Linux is at now. Uh, and uh, I took, I took uh, a day off and installed Arch Linux and set it up all the way that I liked it. And I was stunned at, I guess, two things. Um, once you get through like those teething areas of like figuring out how to do all sorts of things that you never really have to worry about and other operating systems that give you everything, um, but uh, one, that it was much faster and like the raw performance of like my Ruby on Rails application was a lot faster when I was in the Linux world. And the other thing that I, I discovered, which I was very surprised about, was that my workflows were just enormously better. I felt incredibly more productive because I was using a different Windows manager. I was using VI3 window manager. So those two things combined drove me, I guess, to write that blog post. I first wanted to focus just on the performance side of things because um, explaining performance is easy, right? If something is going to be 20 or 30% faster, everybody wants that. Like there's no, you don't want something that's 30% slower. That's no, never something you're going to go to the shop and buy. 
you want stuff to be faster. Now, convincing people that they need a tiling window manager to develop in Ruby on Rails is a much harder um, thing to convince people. So I wanted to focus first on, on, that, on that part of it. OSCON has been ground zero to find out what you need to be in the know about the open source community for 20 years. Because software development now is essentially open source, we've expanded the OSCON program focus to examine what is driving software development forward today. Unlike other conferences, we cover open source projects no matter their origin or affiliation. Our program solely focuses on projects in areas of innovation, including AI, infrastructure, blockchain, edge computing, architecture, and emerging languages. You'll hear from industry heavyweights like Holden Corral from Google, Rupert Deshir from CodeChicks, Julian Simon from AWS, and Allison McCauley from Unblock Future. You'll have a chance to network with experts and peers at many of the events OzCon offers, including author book signings, speed networking, Ignite OzCon, and our Better Together Diversity Networking Lunch. Prices start at just $9.25 when you register before April 19th. Listeners to the Ruby on Rails podcast can get 25% off most passes to OzCon when you go to OzCon.com slash Ruby and use the code Ruby20 during registration. Thank you to OzCon for sponsoring the show. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to quote you from your post. I stuck with Windows for six years, developing an application that works best on Linux because I was comfortable in Windows. Habits are incredibly hard to break. I was not fully aware what price I was paying. I can also assure you many other developers are in the same boat as I was. I couldn't agree with this more. Can you think of any other habits that Ruby developers are glued to because they're comfortable? Yeah, I think a lot A lot is like, there are a lot of workflow things that we do that like we're just used to doing. Um, and we just don't bother automating bits of those workflow. Uh, so an example could be that every time you launch your uh, Rails server, you open up the terminal and then you change directory to your, where your source is. And then you type bundle, uh, and so on. So, I mean, automating something like that is as simple as just putting an alias in your, in your bash file, in your bash RC file. And it's something that a lot of times, like, we just stop doing, we, we don't do. Like, we're used to just going through this kind of, this process and, and doing this thing. And, and the same goes to a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the things that we tend to do during the day are just kind of these uh, repeated tasks that we just repeat as a course of ceremony, and they're not uh, adding anything to our day. They're just removing removing fun from our day because we're doing all of these tasks that we shouldn't be doing. So I think that's one thing that um, that I've been a lot more mindful lately about, uh, especially moving to like my tiling window manager where. I've got the menu of all of the options that I need to do in one file. So it's very easy for me to just add one more thing to the menu. Um, and uh, then I've got a hotkey to do something that used to take me, you know, a whole bunch of typing in. Uh, so I, I find myself a, a lot of a lot of time now just kind of thinking about, ah, oh, yeah, I'm doing this thing a lot of times and I, I shouldn't be doing it a lot less. It'll be a lot, it'll make my day a lot better. So I, I spend, I spend uh, time automating these things. Um, and the other, on a more 
kind of global level, we, we get very used to kind of our environment. We think that our Mac is the best Mac and our operating is the best system that we're using is the best operating system. And, you know, it's just we're creatures of comfort. We're used to doing things a certain way. And uh, we're used to also thinking that what we do, what we're doing now is the absolute best way of doing it. And we don't learn anything new. So I, I think disturbing kind of moving out of your comfort zone is very healthy. Uh, even me, I, I'm, I've been evangelizing i3 Windows Manager at the moment. That's something I'm very passionate about. But also, I'm, I'm super passionate now about trying other ones because maybe there are other ideas in other Windows Managers that are that are very interesting. So I'll try Xmonads or um, uh, try DWM if I feel completely crazy. Uh, and uh, and see if there are other ideas that like kind of fit my workflows better. I completely agree about environments. I, as a developer, have always developed on a Mac. And so uh, yep. there, there are about 100 people in my company, and there are only three people in the entire company that have a Mac, just because it's always been understood that developers work on Macs. So as a personal goal for myself, I really should try to set up my environment either on a Windows or a Linux machine, just because the, the servers that run our website are Linux. So it makes sense to have a developer yeah. environment that's closer to our production environment. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something tricky that we've done because Apple have managed to convince all the developers that they make the most beautiful laptops. And when all of these developers are buying these uh, Mac laptops, and these Mac laptops are a huge pain to get Linux working on great. Uh, they're, they're much more complicated to get all the drivers and some things will not work just right. Uh, Mac, uh, Apple are fantastic at making Mac OS work fantastically on like MacBooks and MacBook Pros. But then, you know, if you don't have one, if you have one of those, you're kind of locked into the environment. So uh, I think, especially even in, in the Rails in the Rails community, I've seen that a lot of people like you know just have a laptop. And that's all they have. They've never had a desktop. Uh, but when you look at the actual numbers of what you can get out of a desktop, um, uh, for kind of ballpark, my, my current desktop is doing a, a spec suite in like seven minutes 20, like after all of the tuning that I've done. And like a, a top of the line um, MacBook Pro that what somebody bought a few months ago is now doing it around 12 and a half minutes. So there's all of these extra minutes for the spec suite. Now what you're going to be saying is like, why, why are you running the entire spec suite? That is silly. But like, this is just an indicative number of like other, um, but for other tasks that you'll do it, every time you run a Rails console, you're waiting a little bit more. Every time you run um, your Puma server or Unicorn server, you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. Every time you load a page, you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. So like all of these, so, so just, me putting the spec number out there is just to give uh, people kind of a, a, a kind of a ballpark of what the experience, how ex different the experience is. So I, I think one thing I'd like to advocate is that like, if you can have a desktop, I think it's a good idea to try and get one. Uh, and like the latest, like Intel 9100K, they're really fast uh, CPUs. And th this will make a long, a very big difference to kind of your daily productivity being on that, especially kind of Ruby, uh, 
with the global interpreter lock, you know, you want to kind of have very fast uh, single single call to kind of because not everything is paralyzed at the end of the day. Uh, sure, we get paralyzed a bit of kind of the SQL calls that we do, uh, but like essentially single core is a very big uh, important kind of factor there. And the fastest single core CPUs that you can get now are from Intel and not available on any Mac hardware. Um, yeah. Uh, just a um, bit curious, Brittany, how, how long does your spec suite take at, at work? Is that something that you guys run regularly? So our testing suite? Yeah. Oh, it takes about five minutes, which is definitely too long for, we have around 600 tests and our test suite should definitely oh, wow. be running faster than that. Oh, wow. There's, there's, quite, there's some interesting things that you can look at there. And anybody who's got a, a slow spec suite, like we, we're up at like, uh, I think uh, 10,000 uh, specs now, or, or a little bit over 10,000. So yeah, this course has grown quite big. I remember back in the day when we were 600. But uh, an interesting thing you can do, you can use uh, the flame graph gem to um, tell it, like, yeah, just start testing capturing some backtraces for like the next half second and you run that while the spec suite is running and then you can get like a little uh, window into kind of what is going on. Uh, you might discover, for example, that you've got this setup and teardown that's happening every single test uh, that doesn't need to be happening. Uh, and that's one thing that you could kind of focus on, on fixing um, and like a lot of times, like when you get to like a pathological stage where stuff is like just overall way too slow, you can be like a huge hero by cutting it, uh, making it half, uh, half, take half the time that it, it did initially because there are just so many like enormous wins that you can do with very small amounts of effort. Um, so I'd definitely say, yeah, it's worth, if, if you feel, if something doesn't feel right, there's probably something not right there, and then uh, flame graph and stack prop are good friends there for kind of figuring out what why the, the the spec suite or test suite is slow. That's great advice, and I'm definitely going to include those in the show notes. Thank you for that, Sam. So, are there any technologies that you've been working with or interested in that you would like to mention to the listeners? Um, I guess I think it's worth mentioning kind of the suite of gems that make discourse that aren't Rails. So we have a lot of stuff that we take from Rails, but we've kind of over the years built like a discourse Rails stack, which is composed of other gems that like we, if we're ever making another Rails project, like we have an internal kind of uh, Rails project to do some of our customer management and stuff like that. They're, they're gems that we'll always include. Uh, and of, of those ones I'd like to mention is one is Logster. Uh, which is uh, which is uh, a visual log viewer. So if you're used to these days, if you want to look at your Rails log, uh, you'll just tap the development log file. With logs, so you just go to slash logs on your site, and they all show up visually, and you have search, and um, every message comes with a backtrace, so you can see where it came from. So if you just do Rails logger, you know, um, on something, then you can tell where that warning came from, which is a lot, which is very interesting during development. Uh, and uh, Logster is designed to work both in production and development, which is very um, interesting. 
So we use it in production at this course and um, and while we're developing this course. So definitely worth looking at. Very easy to install. You just add the gem and the page is there and there's very minimal amount of configuration that you need. Uh, other bit of the stack, we use Sidekick. And one guess that we had in Sidekick was that we didn't have the ability to do regular jobs. Like, say you want to run this thing um, every, you know, five minutes. There's no, no way of kind of telling, teaching Sidekick to do that, especially when you're running like uh, 20 Sidekicks for one site. So we came up with like a mini scheduler um, gem that like just bolts onto Sidekick so we can do all of our scheduling that we need and we can have scheduled jobs. Uh, other one that is recent, we've added mini SQL. Uh, I find Active Record to be awesome for um, a lot of the composing complex queries and dealing, dealing with relations and so on. But sometimes you want to get your hands a bit more dirty and do SQL. And the tooling around um, kind of writing SQL direct and mapping SQL to objects direct is not ideal in active records so mini sql kind of fills that gap and allows you to kind of uh write uh very very fast and efficient kind of direct sql statements for where you know you don't want to get into uh where, where it's too complicated to kind of map, map into active record concepts and we use that quite a lot internally um and then there are some kind of little gems that you install and you can just win immediately uh, like fast blank, which is still being used. Um, people like to call blank a lot in, in, um, in Rails. And it turns out that, uh, it's not the most efficient thing in certain conditions and fast blank makes blank a lot faster. So you just add the gem and you're done and stuff can get faster just from adding that. Um, memory profiler is very interesting as well. If you've got any kind of issue, a lot of times performance, uh, problems hide um, in kind of memory allocation. So uh, th this could lead to you consuming too much memory in your process, or it could just mean the process is slow because it's spending all the time allocating memory. So Memory Profiler is kind of a wrapper around uh, existing Ruby APIs that allows you to get a clean report of uh, what a certain block of code allocated memory-wise. Um, and I think that's about it for our stack. There are more, and there's Mini Racer, but yeah, I think Mini Racer is kind of de facto now, so like it doesn't need that much promotion. Uh, but um, Mini Racer was a project uh, we created uh, because uh, we, we're a JavaScript and a Ruby app, uh, which is different to quite a few other apps out there. So we needed to have uh, our uh, Markdown rendering pipeline identical both on the client and on the server. And that meant that both needed to run JavaScript. And back in the day, the only kind of option that we had there that was kind of used was called the Ruby Racer. But unfortunately, uh, it got very, very complicated to maintain over time and it didn't update uh, its V8 version beyond like Chrome version 34, 35. So Mini Racer was created as a kind of a lighter weight, um, the Ruby Racer that is trying to stay up to date with V8 and not have security issues and so on. So if you need to run JavaScript in Ruby, 
than many many races your friends. And uh, very interesting thing about mini racer is that um, you get through kind of uh, multi-threading there, so you can start multiple V8 contacts and run code in them, and they'll run in uh, true parallelism without kind of any global interpreter lock. So you can kind of floor your CPU with mini racer if you want to. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that is the best. Well, I just went through and upgraded all four production apps that we use at the Trust and definitely switched in Mini Racer, and we've been very happy with it so far. So I thank your team for working on that. Now, Sam, how can our oh, listeners yeah. follow what you're up to? Well, my blog, uh, I'm trying to post and keep up uh, what I'm doing, and uh, Twitter. Uh, as well is a good place. Uh, I am reasonably active on Twitter. So if anybody has any questions for me, I'm always uh, just at, me at, at mention me and I'll, I'll try to reply. Uh, and yeah, and discourse. I mean, if you look at the discourse blog or I'm constantly on the meta discourse site answering questions about discourse. So yeah, those would be the main channels to reach me. Excellent. Well, it was great to have you today, Sam. Now, listeners, take some time to think of the habits that you're entrenched in as a developer and make a plan to invite some change into your life. Talk to you next week. Thanks.